The capitalist in me loves that. The consumer in me is terrified. In the old days, like five or 10 years ago, it would be unheard of to, to publicly you know, put an offer out like this yeah. for a lot of yeah. reasons. Like, I think we'd all agree, like the stuff with Elon's crazy, but it's not even really possible if they were hitting their metric. Every time, you know, recessions loom, it seems like entrepreneurship booms. Hey guys, welcome back to the Results Junkies podcast. Paul and I were sitting offline going back and forth on a number of things and we just you know, kept going back and forth and finally said, it's time to hit the button because there's just so much going on. We're, um, we're recording a little bit later than normal in the week. We would normally record, call it on Friday to drop the fall. They just send a bouquet of flowers to Apple and say, thank you. And, and this week we're, um, we're recording on uh, Tuesday. Uh, and we decided that we're gonna we're gonna jump right into the midst of the of the Twitter uh, dialogue. Uh, so it should be fun stuff. It should be very topical and timely since it's Tuesday, and we've seen most of the the movie so far. But uh, but how are you doing, man? Good, man. You know the here uh, in Northern Virginia, as you know, the pollen and that time of year is just awful. Uh, so oh. I'm if I sound a little raspy, I'm I'm fighting that. Uh, but yeah, it, it's been a really interesting week, you know, out in the public markets. And I think uh, you brought up a good point. Uh, our our pre-show chat, I think, was probably longer than the episode itself. So we'll see where this goes. But um, we need to record the pre-show at some point and just have it available as outtakes. You know what we ought to do at some point is is see if people want us to try to do a live show, like literally a live show where they can just kind of listen in to the pre-show and the recording itself and just see where that goes. So probably... Well. That could either be my best idea today or the worst one. So we'll see. <laughs> why, why can't it? Why can't it be both? So and and to, and to that point, I'd say like great time just to say um, he is at Paul Singh on all the social media platforms. I am uh, at Pizza in Motion. So uh, tweet us or yeah, definitely tweet us today with Twitter being the top topic. But no, uh, hit us up on social media uh, if you want to do a live show. Show at resultsjunkies.com is how you can email us your questions. And, uh, and if you're, if you're sitting there and you're enjoying listening to us, um, including Mike, who is a crossover listener from my other podcast, who says he's now interested in listening to you every week along with me, um, leave us a, leave us a, leave us a rating and a review wherever you're listening. And we'd obviously prefer if it was five stars because you know, why not? (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, I, um, I thought that, you know, maybe I'm jumping a little ahead here, but um, I thought it was really interesting some of the stuff you started talking about, uh, you know, regarding Twitter here earlier. Because I think, I think anyway, I don't want to steal your thunder here, but I just think it's really interesting that you're looking at that from a very different angle than a lot of the people that I've been talking to about the whole Twitter deal. So, whenever you're ready, I, that's my little teaser. But whenever you're ready, that we should talk about that. I think, I think it's super. Yeah, interesting. There's a, and there's a bunch of pieces here. I think um, maybe I'll start with like the moral of the story and and work my way back. I think. Um, you know, like this, we went from like this disbelief that, you know, he could actually buy Twitter to, to, to it becoming almost virtually a reality at this point that Twitter is going to get sold. Now, whether it gets sold to him or not, or like Apollo management was talking about putting, trying to put together a bid to, to buy it out. Um, but I think like, if we want to start with table stakes first on the stuff that you and I, you know, like our wheelhouse stuff, and I, I want to get into the other stuff too, but like table stakes here says like, if you have a company out there today 
and you don't want to end up like Twitter, then you should establish reasonable metrics for your business and then you should achieve them. And I know that sounds overly stupid, but like the only reason Twitter's in this in this jam is because their their numbers aren't good enough. They're a publicly held company. And so they have a fiduciary responsibility to their shareholders to consider an offer that's worth more than they can build the company to themselves. And their bankers said, yeah, you might want to consider this one. Well, okay. So that's, that's one part of this that I think is interesting. Uh, Mm -hmm. And maybe I'm just a weirdo, but you know, I don't watch a whole lot of reality TV or whatever, but the way that Elon is doing this whole thing is is like it's got all the hallmarks of great reality TV. I mean, yes. to your point, I mean he's forced the discussion. It, you know, in the old days, like five or ten years ago, it would be unheard of to to publicly you know put an offer out like this. Yeah. for a lot of yeah. reasons, you know, and one of those reasons would be you just didn't want to you know invite the competition to to you know bid a dollar more than you. But here we are. Uh, and, and he's offering an awful lot of money and to your point, uh, doing it in the public, uh, eye so that it actually forces the, the, the conversation to happen because of that, that fiduciary duty threat or the, you know, the threat of, uh, breaching fiduciary duty if they don't talk about it. So, um, anyway, it's, it's really interesting, right? Like I feel like a week ago or two weeks ago, we started out with, Hey, he's joining the board (laughs) and and it was like. (laughs) And then, and then all of a sudden on a Saturday morning, uh, the news was, oh no, just kidding. Don't want to do that. And then just when you think this is all over, another offer that's like, I'll just, you know what? I'll just buy the whole thing comes up. And it's like, what in the world is happening? Particularly given what's <laughs> happening on the, in the macro markets today as well. Right. So I, I don't want to steal your thunder there though. Cause it's just, this whole thing is wild and weird. <laughs> no, I agree. And I think, you know, for folks that are listening in, I think, you know, depending on how deep you are in, in the whole, um, you know, discussion over the past few weeks on Twitter, um, you know, go like, go hit Google and type in Twitter stock price. Their symbol is TWTR. And then just pull out to the to the five-year, um, you know, the five-year uh, lens. And you can see, you know, and this isn't making judgments about them as a company. It's just, you know, looking at the reality. Like the stock, during the pandemic, when more folks were home and maybe had more time, you know, hard to say, but the stock went up to, you know, um, you know, the, the mid 70s and uh, and then came all the way back down to mid 30s a share until the stuff started to bubble up with, um, you know, with with Elon. And so, you know, I mean. I don't know what the value of Twitter is. I don't think anybody really knows what the value of Twitter is, but I think we'd all agree that it's probably not 75 today and it's probably not 35 today because Elon's put in a bid for 54. Um, that doesn't mean it's worth 54 because we have to obviously fold in how how likely we think he is to buy it, stuff like that. But but clearly it's not worth 70 if the stock's been dropping for the better part of a year. Um, and it's you know it's probably not worth its low um, you know, cause like there's some sort of bounce level in between. So, um, because of that inconsistency, all this stuff is in play now and Twitter, Twitter is in play. And if you look at it, I think it's interesting and not to get, make this a stock discussion, but if you look at Twitter compared to their contemporaries, you know, Facebook, Google folks like that, you know, I mean, before we get into the, before the whole like ASCAP not to track stuff came up, 
you know, their Twitter trajectory was very different from their competitors. They had very, very much slower growth and, uh, you know, actually had shrinkage over the past year. So it's just interesting to see it all come together and think about how that changes priorities for a company and also invites, like, I think we'd all agree, like the stuff with Elon's crazy, but it's not even really possible if they were hitting their metrics. Yeah. First off, let me just say, uh, the public markets, I find the public markets to be more terrifying than the private markets. <laughs> and, and maybe that's counterintuitive. I think a lot of people think that investing in early stage startups is wild and dumb and risky and the public markets are a little safer or whatever. But I don't know. This whole thing is just, I don't know. when. Well, anyway, that, that's that's beside the point. But this is just wild. Um, you know, but I think the, the the... I thought the point that you made that was really interesting is that um, it was something along the lines of, uh, you know, if you look at what's happened to the ma- to the larger stock market um, uh, during the early part of this week, we've seen pretty big drops in the Dow. The CNN Fear and Greed Index is swinging to the left. You, you know, the VIX has, has, has gone up quite a bit, as you pointed out earlier. Up 20% today, the VIX. For folks who don't know, that's the volatility index. So the volatility index is up 20% today. So you've got all these like macro issues. You've got the stock market on the whole declining in a big way at the early part of this week. You've got, you know, uh, housing market, you know, issues, uh, in, you know, you've got inflation happening. And yet, to your point, here we are. Um, uh, Elon Musk has made a huge offer for this, uh, uh, for Twitter. Uh, I believe you said he, he's waived diligence uh, as well. Uh, and so now it's really up to a shareholder vote and, you know, there's maybe there's a million uh, ways that this thing could go sideways before it closes. And, and so I guess your point that I thought was interesting is, is that the, the, the drop of Twitter's stock, particularly over these last couple hours and days probably should not have been as tightly correlated to the larger market drop. And that I think is like interesting, right? Because in theory, people should be bullish on the Twitter stock knowing that he's made an offer at $54 or whatever the number is per share. Yeah. Like in layman's terms, you know, Twitter stocks should technically be holding steady if people think that they're really going to get that price, but yet it's dropping um, in a pretty correlated fashion with the, with the broader market. That I'm curious how you interpret that because I look at that and I'm like, well, maybe people, maybe the market isn't confident this deal is going to close. But I think you you had a different viewpoint on it. Yeah, it's an interesting um, it's an interesting question because as you say about the market thinking it might not close, like I, the the stock went up for most of the last you know call it eight to ten days as this thing sort of started to solidify, and it was interesting that in the beginning it felt pretty clear that the market was pricing in that uh, that they didn't think the deal was going to close because the stock was at like thirty five bucks when he made the offer and he made an offer at essentially like fifty four dollars and so the market priced the stock at like forty three. So they're like, ah, maybe this will happen, but we're not, we don't think it's a great chance. And again, not that we want to get like too like into the weeds for, you know, like stock prices and stuff like that. But, you know, like the Dow was down like two and a half percent today, but like Alphabet and Facebook or Meta, um, you know, were down over 3%. And so was Twitter. And so to your point about the correlation, people are like, well, why did it fall more than the Dow Jones did? Well, 
it fell because it fell it fell at the same ratios as those other stocks. I think it fell that way because it was a you know considered a basket stock. So people might own Twitter, Google, Facebook, or Meta. You know they call them the Fang stocks, if you will. Facebook, Apple, Netflix, Google. Um, they may own all those tech stocks in a basket, and they sold the shares, you know, money market stuff like that. But it's it's weird to see. Like it feels like with as much volatility as there is with Twitter right now, it just feels like there should it shouldn't be moving the same way everything else is. Because in theory, if the market, to your point, let's just say that there were a whole bunch of people that sold this as part of a basket, they didn't sell Twitter shares, they sold money market shares. Well, then if the if the rest of the market looked at that and was like, wow, like Twitter's down three percent, like we feel really we felt really confident at fifty one earlier today. Let's jump in and buy it. Well, the stock will go back up. Um, so you may be onto something in that there may be more investor reluctance to jump back into Twitter because, I mean, take your pick. You know, I mean, it's a crazy market right now. Fear index and Elon Musk is like kind of crazy. <laughs> so, well, I think he, you know, whatever we want to call him, I think one thing that most people would agree on is is that he's a a master marketer. Oh yeah, and wickedly smart too. Yeah, and he's smart, and I think that. You know, obviously, these sorts of deals are still, I mean, they're not done, right? You still need the shareholder vote. I guess the the point is, though, is that like, there's a lot of reasons the deal could still not happen. And in this particular case, uh, he's the wild card. And I think the market's sort of unsure about that, you know? And and so with this broader sell-off that's happening right now and, and, you know, the early part of this week or whatever, I, I I guess it's sort of a... I interpret that the, the the declining price of Twitter right now to the market's reluctance to 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 trust him at this point, and and maybe it's more of a reflection of like his his sort of erratic behavior sometimes, where you know he's like right. I want to do something and then I don't want to do it, you know, and more power to him. But uh, I don't know. I it, it, it's um, I guess it's uh, must be nice to be a billionaire. You can just swing the market however you want, whenever you want. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here, so here's the on-the-spot question that did not come up in pre-show. Elon has offered fifty-four dollars and twenty cents for, uh, for for Twitter shares. Market has it at fifty at forty-nine right now. If the market were open right now, would you buy Twitter at forty-nine? Would you buy it at forty-five? Uh, this is a trick question because I don't buy individual <laughs> stocks. I understand. I'm waiting for an answer. Would you buy it at forty-five? Uh, no, I'm going to take a principled stand on this. <laughs> like I, I don't, I don't like to, I don't like speculating. I, I realize that sounds ironic considering I speculate <laughs> on startups or whatever. But I, to me, to me, private entrepreneurs and private companies are far more understandable than what's happening here in the public markets. I, I don't know who's selling. I don't know who's buying. But it gives me comfort when I look at a cap table and I'm like, who else is on this cap table with me? You know, and I can see the fundamentals and I can see how the price is being swung, you know? Uh, by the way, like, I think everybody knows this, but look, there's probably smarter people. I mean, I'd, I'd be curious if you're going to buy too, but like, I, I, um, I wouldn't look at my sort of hesitance as, as any sort of uh, indicator. I, I know far less about this than, than you do and, and, and that sort of thing. Um, I, just think, I just think it's a wild, I, I'm just sort of looking at this from across the room and it's just wild. The whole thing yeah. just looks wild to me. You know, you got people on one side, uh, you know, when I, when I just look at the whole macro in, or the macro, uh, you know, environment right now, it's just wild to me 
that here he is offering 54 bucks a share, whatever. And on the other side, you know, interest rates are going to 5%, inflation's, uh, you know, 7% or whatever, supply chain's down. Uh, I think I saw either Shanghai or Beijing is locked down now. Like there's all these other things that are going on that seem to indicate that we're, we're going to get worse. And yet <laughs> you got this multi-billion dollar offer for Twitter. Just, it's just wild. Absolutely wild. For a company that has it when you, and not that everything should tie back to, you know, our core ethos, but like when we think about that core ethos of investing in entrepreneurs for a company that by and large hasn't figured out how to make money off of entrepreneurs and small businesses. Like, you know, they have advertising on Twitter, but you know, we think about how people sell things on Facebook and use targeting on Facebook or Instagram for their ads for stuff. Like Twitter has some of that, but I mean, think about it from your portfolio standpoint, when you talk to people in the portfolio, how many times do they tell you that they're advertising on Twitter? No, never. Yeah. You don't hear that very often at all. Yeah. Right. And so it's interesting to see this in play as something that like from our standpoint, you know, um, it isn't really, um, it doesn't really follow the same rails. Like they're not a, like Twitter's not a Twitter's uh, and I don't want to make sweeping generalizations, but Twitter generally speaking doesn't necessarily make their money from the same small businesses that say like the Facebooks of the world do. And, and so there's this, like, there's this nascent thing of like, all right, yeah, if you say like there's a recession coming, Twitter should probably do worse in that because big advertisers are, are likely to, you know, tuck their wings in because they're big advertisers and they can ride it out. Um, whereas with everything that's going on with Ask App Not to Track, which is the Apple privacy stuff, you know, um, a lot of the entrepreneurs in our portfolio are trying to find ways to recreate the the magic that they had with the Facebooks of the world, um, you know, with with ad targeting. Um, and I don't think they're likely to turn to Twitter to, you know, try some sort of broad shotgun BB campaign. Actually, look, let's let's kind of segue. Let's use that to segue just a little bit here. I'll, you know, kind of come out of left field on you. We didn't talk about this earlier either. Um, I think, uh, our lives as investors, you know, you and I, our lives are about to get a lot harder, a lot noisier over these next few months. And, and tell me if you disagree with this, but, um, you know, every time, you know, recessions loom, it seems like entrepreneurship booms and, um, you know, whether it's because people, you know, get laid off and, and start something out of necessity or what, I don't know, but like some of the largest companies, at least in my portfolio, if you look back, have, have, have roots in a down cycle, um, you know, and, and, and even, well, anyway, all that to say, I think it's going to be really fascinating these next couple months, um, you know, for, for, for people like you and me, because I think that, um, you know, just broadly speaking, there's going to be like three kinds of companies that we're going to start running into and they're going to get a lot noisier. There's going to be a lot more volume than there has been for the last couple of months. Uh, the first bucket is like the easiest one. They're the companies that continue to grow really fast. They're raising money, good fundamentals, and we're just going to be chasing, you know, to get into the last bit of the round and they're going to move fast. Um, the second, on the other extreme, you got the other, the, the second group, which is the companies that just started but aren't finding any traction and early stage capital is going to get really hard to raise and 
Um, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with them. Uh, I think you're, I, I think you're going to see a lot of corp dev teams doing aqua hires um, and that sort of thing. But then there's this company, this group of companies in the middle that are like going to be stuck. They raised a little bit of money last year, uh, missed targets or whatever for, for a lot of different reasons, just cannot raise their next round. And I think um, it's going to be a really interesting opportunity for like operators, uh, operators slash investors to like buy them up. And I think you're going to see a lot of that. I think I maybe have maybe mentioned that on the last episode too, but I don't know. It's just going to get really noisy. I think both of our inboxes are going to get a lot crazier, a lot wilder. And um, but this is how it always is like during these like, you know, down cycles. So we'll see how it goes. I'm kind of curious. Do you, do you agree with that or? Yeah. I mean, I think, well, to your, to your initial point, like recessions have typically yielded great entrepreneurial curves, probably is the right word, but entrepreneurial growth in, in our society over time in so many different ways. And I think to your point, something that you say frequently, it's so much easier to start a business than it was five years ago, let alone 20 years ago. The, 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 the bars are, are very low. Um, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to take a, I'm going to take a quick step back and, and, and maybe we end up having to delete this part and tell Jeremiah to throw an edit in, but I just got a wall street journal uh, alert as we're sitting here. And the headline is Google posts slowing sales growth, um, as their quarterly earnings. But here's the interesting thing. So with that headline, which is a sort of negative headline for the journal, the company said, first quarter sales rose 23% from the year ago period. And uh, company sales advanced 41% last year. So 20, 23% growth year over year in ad sales, people, small and large businesses buying ads on Apple. And, and I hate for us to keep leading all these threads back down to the same road. But doesn't that just scream people who can't get customers off of iPhones anymore trying to find somewhere else? to get ad revenue and they've moved that revenue, they've moved that ad spend over from, you know, whatever ads they were targeting on iPhones to Google ads in, in some way, shape or form. That's exactly what's happening. You know, yeah. it's not like ad budgets went down. They just got redistributed. No. Yes. Yeah. And Google stock is quote unquote down because of this move. But, but the, but the headline is first quarter sales rose 23% from a year ago. Right. Yeah. I wouldn't pay attention to the headline just given this yeah. week's news. And I, and I think you leave that in, by the way, I think this is uh, I think it's good for people to kind of see this stuff happening, but you know, I, I, I let, whenever you're ready, let's use this to talk uh, to, to, to maybe also talk about Netflix. Cause I, I think what's happening here, you know, has these broader, you know, connections back to e-commerce B2B, SaaS, like all these things are really deeply intertwined. And I, I think whenever you're ready, we should, we should talk about that. Let's do it. Cause I think, I mean, not, not that, not that the Google news isn't newsworthy, but I think, I don't think it's a surprise to anyone listening that if we saw, if you and I saw a news release saying that Google's ad sales are up, that we would be nodding our head and saying, yep, they should send a, they should send a bouquet of flowers to Apple and say, thank you. Well, I, I think, Look, I think this is just all, I think this is all just a reset. I don't think, I don't think all of this news is like doom and gloom. This no. is not, I don't think it's like all that, you know, I just ignore the clickbaity titles that everybody has here. I think what's happening is, is that all the pricing, whether we're talking about public market pricing or private market pricing in terms of company valuations are all resetting. 
And I think this is a good time to talk about Netflix, you know, with the recent, what was the article last week? Um, uh, that they, they, for the first time in their history, they posted a loss in subscribers or a net loss in subscribers. Yeah. A big net loss too. And, and, and I think it was like 200,000 subscribers lost or something like that, a net. And, and I think, you know, there's a lot of people that interpret that data a lot of different ways. I saw people talk about, oh, well, they pulled out of Eastern Europe and Russia. Uh, I saw people talk about, you know, oh, well, it's got to be about the password, you know, uh, sharing crackdown, you know, and there's a lot of other ones. But look, I, I think uh, one, one, so first off, I think the net loss is not just one thing. There's going to be a, it's going to be a combination of things that are happening right now that are causing that net loss. And in fact, I think it's actually a good thing. I think that like, you know, between like locking down the password sharing uh, and all that, I think they're they're going to have a subscriber base that's stickier, da, da da But the part that I think nobody's really talking about related to this is is what the pandemic has probably done to Netflix and to a lot of other uh, e-commerce and and B two B SaaS companies. And, and here's what I mean, um, you know, uh, for example, e-commerce on the bump side, like you know, sales skyrocketed when when the lockdown started happening, and and generally sure. speaking, they have stayed high. Uh, but what it did was it actually pulled demand forward. When you couldn't go see your family, you bought them a gift online. We saw something similar with Zoom, right? Like when you couldn't see somebody or go travel somewhere and Google Hangouts was being buggy, a lot of pent up demand went to Zoom and Zoom made a lot of money doing it. But, and I'll give, keep giving you examples if we want, but what's happened now two years later with all of these companies is that um, all that pent up demand is kind of maxed out. And I think what we're doing, what we're seeing now is an, a gentle easing back to the norm. Um, and so it's causing these prices to get reset. It's causing these like Netflix subscriber net losses. I'm doing air quotes here. Um, <laughs> I guess what I'm just saying is this is all good. This is all really good. Uh, this is not some sort of crash or like fraudulent behavior or whatever. This is, this is, um, e-commerce and B2B SaaS and almost every other industry, retail included, all re, you know, settling back down to, to whatever their norms would have been now had the pandemic not happened. So, so I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you on, yes. on one part of it. Um, you said that this is all good. And I would say I'm not really ready to give it a score. And here's why. Like, um, so one other detail about the Netflix thing that I want to focus in on for a second is on top of the net subscriber loss, their ad spend went up. And again, tying it back to all this Apple stuff. You know, I made the comment to to Paul. Um, I don't watch a lot of TV, um, but there's um, you know, there's a show um called The Man in the High Castle that I watch for a bit on Netflix. And I watched the episodes very indiscriminately, very, very randomly, because I don't watch a lot of TV. And and like when I'd watch them, I'd get more Netflix ads around those times afterwards. They're you know, trying to get me to come back. And not a ton of them, not nowhere near as much as other folks who target. Um, and you'd mentioned to me that you're seeing less Netflix ads um, recently, but but their ad spend's going up. Um, so the only thing I would say is, um, and I, I took a look at this while we were talking because I wasn't aware of this, but so like we go back to May of 2014 and Netflix raised their price from $7.99 a month to $8.99 a month. And if we fast forward all the way to today, they've had one, two, three, four, five, six, six price increases since then. And the new Apple standard tier rate is $15.49 or essentially, you know, almost double. So, you know, like 
whether it's consumers or entrepreneurs or whatever, like if, if ad spending is higher, these companies aren't going to take less margin if they can help it. So they're going to pass that cost on. And so I definitely think that the market is seeing some settle from the pandemic. No question. I think at the same time, we're seeing that the lots of folks adjust to the ask app not to track stuff from Apple, you know, this, this change in privacy. And they're trying to figure out how to more effectively attract customers without just spending like a drunken sailor on ad dollars. But in the interim, they're, you know, these CEOs of these large companies aren't likely to just say, well, we're just going to lose a, a ton more money. They're going to continue to raise prices on these small and medium sized businesses who in some cases will fail. In other cases, we'll pass those costs on to their customers. And, I'll, you know, I'll use Bump as a potential example. Like, you guys will maybe confront with that decision. And if ad dollars, you know, cost you a lot more, you may have to, you know, you may have to adjust your prices. We've seen it in the restaurants. Not ad dollars, but other costs. Like, we've had to adjust so we can maintain some level of profit margin. So, uh, I think if the market can figure out, when I say the market, small and medium-sized businesses, if they can figure out how to market in some way that approaches a relatively normal cost to acquire customers, then the settle probably works out okay. And if everything just costs more to advertise for, I think it costs small businesses more money, which ends up costing consumers more money. I think, so so just to address that, we have adjusted our prices pretty recently. um, Although more of our adjustments have to do with the reality that shipping goods is far more expensive than it used to be. Yeah. you know, what used to be a temporary surcharge from FedEx is now effectively permanent, even though it's labeled temporary. So right. we've had to adjust a, a couple things. Um, okay, this, your comment about the price, you know, the ad spend going up, I think it's really important to at least recognize that uh, ad spend in the aggregate tells you nothing. Mm-hmm. Sure. Like, yes, they are spending more. Yes, that's probably not good. <laughs> yeah, especially when subscribers are down. The story is is that Netflix is the same as Bump and the same as every other online spender right now where CAC, cost of acquisition has doubled for the best companies and quadrupled or more for mediocre companies. So, when when that happens to cost of acquisition, of course spend goes up. And to your point or, uh, a few moments ago, by the way, cost of acquisition goes up, you know, initially or went up initially because of the whole Facebook uh, or I'm sorry, the whole iOS uh, changes. Yep. But it's remained high because what's what's happened here is, is that ad budgets have not gone down. They've just got redeployed uh, to places like TikTok, to Google, like you said, and to a bunch of other, um, you know, channels now. So uh, I guess what I'm just trying to say, though, is, is that don't read too much into the, or people should not read too much into ad spend going up because while that is, you know, true, that's not the story. The story is they're getting affected the same way the rest of us are. You know, we'll see where that goes. I, I, I don't know. I, I think like on the flip side of this, it, it'll be interesting to see. I haven't, I should probably should have done some homework before the, before we got on this call, but uh, TikTok on the other side of this thing, is just raking in the dollars, absolutely raking it in. And then on top of that, all these creators are raking it in as well. So like, uh, maybe that's a little bit of uh, the upside there for people, or maybe like the silver lining is that like, again, the money's getting spent no matter what. It's just going to a new platform, primarily, I think. 
but also getting distributed to all these influencers that are, you know, selling products online. And maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I'm not an influencer. I don't know. Uh, that just, oh, come on. You uh, are makes me, uh, you know, it makes me feel awkward to even think about like what that would be like. <laughs> yeah. You're an influencer. You're not a paid influencer, which could be know, good or man. bad. Oh, uh, that just, I'm, I got a little cold sweat coming up right now. Don't <laughs> you make me nervous. <laughs> I don't know. You know, uh, you remember when you when we were all younger and you know, you, you, you like, you, I don't know about you. I, I remember years ago, uh, when people would say like, Oh, I've been through a couple of these recessions before. Here's what's going to happen. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. And now, you know, I'm like 41 or something like that. I don't even, I think I'm 41. And like, I don't like, I remember the way I felt around the 2000 crash. You know, I was, I was come, I was in college at the time. And when the 2000 tech crash happened, I didn't really knew, know what was happening, but it sounded really bad. And a lot of the people I knew that were in tech seemed really nervous. And so I got nervous. I don't know why, but you know, then 2008 and then now, and I guess like, I don't know, the more you go through these things, the more you sort of just kind of realize like, hey, we'll get through this. Let's just kind of try to understand what's happening, like ignore the clickbaity titles. And at the risk of sounding like a horrible person here, let's figure out how to capitalize on it. You know, so for me personally, as an example here, I, I really do think that our, our, our investor lives are going to get a lot more complicated, a lot noisier. And I'm just sort of gearing up for it now. It's like, okay, how do I deal with the increase of funding requests. I mean, I don't know about you, but my inbox, I can see it steadily growing now with cold emails. Uh, my DMs are slowly growing. Da, da, da. So I'm, I'm like, okay, well, let me, let me figure out how to get, uh, uh, you know, capitalize on it. And I think everybody else listening to this should be thinking about it the same way, right? What, what are those unique skills and things that you have that you could be using as the world sort of resets here? Uh, I, I think it's a really interesting thing or interesting way to to, to be looking at this. Well, and, and you bring up a good point because we've been in such a boom market for a while and what the perspective is for, for the founders in our portfolios. Um, you know, I remember, you know, going back to, I guess probably 1989, 1990. And I, like I was working in the hotel industry and that was right around the time the housing market took a big crap. And, you know, the company I was working for, the hotel I was working for, didn't have enough money to pay their bills. And they were like payroll to payroll. I, I didn't know. I was a young kid working in a hotel, like, you know, young manager, eager, all that stuff. So, you know, since we've had, uh, you know, this has been a while since we've had, you know, massive disruption, uh, setting COVID aside, like I understand massive disruption, but that's different. Like, I think we, you know, like I think we agree that wasn't that wasn't an economic recession it was a tsunami of massive proportions but it wasn't necessarily an economic recession and i think you know there there are lots of entrepreneurs that are out there now that probably aren't aware of the levers that they need to pull um and this goes back to the discussion from last week about fast.com and and better.com and and controlling your burn and understanding your cac and your ltv so that you can pull those levers when you need to, to either slam the brakes on the car or, or, or go a lot faster when you figure something out. And for me, I think I, I haven't seen a ton of increased in, in, inbound interest yet. Um, but to your point, I think it's coming and I think I'm going to be, I think I'm going to be doing two things. I think I'm going to be asking tougher questions of companies in terms of how they intend to track CAC and LTV. 
Um, and then I also think I'm going to spend more time trying to talk to some of the more moderately successful companies in our portfolio and just reminding them that they should be doing this exercise now before it's too late. I think it's smart. I think it's smart. Wait, did you just, did you, we have, to, uh, this is where we have to end the episode. If you're going to agree with me, this, there's no better way to tie it up than just ending with you agreeing with me. <laughs> Despite what you think, I do respect your opinion. <laughs> oh yeah yeah i think it's such an interesting time right now i think you know like we have not done a lot of current events on the show the timing happened to work out for it now but just there's so many different macro trends that you and i can tie back to all the things that we do in our life um and we talk a lot about the business side of things and and that's a hundred percent relevant but it's also other things of like you know i've got a friend of mine, he's a super smart guy. And he tells me the day, he's like, you're in the restaurant industry. I just don't really understand it. I walked into Subway the other day and I paid $11 and change for a footlong. He's like, what happened to the $5 footlong? I'm like, dude, that's been gone for a decade. He's like, I understand, but $11 and change? It's like, well, welcome to 2022, man. Um, and so all those adjustments are are just massive for everyone. And it, like we, because because of the way the world works, you didn't talk about like whether it's Bump or Subway or Five Guys or stock prices or stuff like that. Our world is so digital. You know, we don't pull a $20 bill out of our pocket to see how much change we get when we head to the counter, the, the metaphorical counter anymore. And so pricing becomes an interesting thing. You know, like how how many Netflix subscribers know how much they pay a month? I, you know, it's, it's certainly not a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that's actually terrifying to think about it that way. Yeah. I mean, how many yeah. credit cards do we, or how many charges do we all have on our credit cards that are just, you know, that have probably been designed in, in terms of their pricing to just sneak in right below that mental threshold where you, mm-hmm. where you stop thinking about it. Yeah. I, like, yep. I, and actually, I don't know if this is a, a poor reflection of me, uh, but I'll just say it anyway. Like, I, so I, I use an American Express charge card and I have these little alerts that hit my phone every time a, you know, charge hits or whatever. And I swear there's like an Amazon digital download that hits for $7.99. I feel like every seven or eight days and it usually happens while I'm driving. And then I'm like, okay, I got to log in when I get home and figure out what the hell that is. And I Mm -hmm. never do. Lord knows how much I've spent on that now. I don't even know what it is. I mean, it's probably something one of the kids accidentally bought i don't even know but how many more of those are there Uh, no i have like a three dollar charge every month from amazon for something that i can't figure out where it is in the dashboard and it's such a small amount i'm like i like i'll spend some effort looking for it periodically but it just sort of sits there you know on that note you know there's a company called profit well which i believe is is bootstrapped um or was for a long time and is is so basically what they do and I, i'm not doing them any justice but like they what they do is they basically uh, build a lot of tools that allow e-commerce companies to fight churn uh deal with credit card dunning all these things and it's effectively a free tool they just give it to you for free and then their pricing model essentially is we get you know x thousand dollars uh flat rate once you're above your baseline that you did before us or whatever like they like they believe in their products enough where they effectively give it away for 45 day trials. And then you only pay if you know, on the incremental improvements on top of your own baseline and they're doing billions of dollars, I believe uh, of, of, you know, like, or I'm sorry, their valuations now are sky high. And, and like my, I guess here's my poorly articulated point is there is a lot of engineering that goes into 
okay, I, I don't think this is a real phrase, but I'm just going to say it anyway. Like if you're familiar with the web over the last 10, 20 years, there's been like a concerted push to stop what, what is called dark design patterns, mm -hmm. right? And dark design patterns are things like where you put the buy button kind of like where somebody's accidentally going to click it, right? Like there's other yep. dark design patterns like that where it's like, hey, that's, they didn't mean to buy or they didn't mean to do that action. You put the button in the wrong spot on purpose. Yep. Um, yep. But there's something similar where it's like dark billing patterns that are starting to happen. And I don't mean that like, I'm not trying to say if everything's a conspiracy, but it's just fascinating. Like how much thinking goes into, uh, you know, is this price increase? Like, how do you make it disappear somewhere? All right. So I got something for you here. I will see if you're just like me. And, and um, do you normally fill up the, the car or does Dana? I do. Okay. We think about a gas pump for a second. If there's three, if there's three nozzles, regulars on one end, super unleaded on the other end, which end is regular on? It should be on the left, unless I believe your shell, I think, where they put like their additive version that's the expensive one all the way in the left, I think. Yeah. So what's interesting to me is I, I was, I was at an airport recently where they, they had them flipped and the price was like sky high for, 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 you know, for super like close to the airport, the whole bit, like, you know, like crazy prices. And I looked at it and I did a double take and I was like, they did this on purpose because they want somebody to hit the left button and like fill their tank up with something. The, the capitalist in me loves that. The consumer in me is terrified. Yes. Yes. Yeah. The, both of those things happened to me in that exact moment. Oh. <laughs> Well, uh, are you are you on the road this week? No, I uh, next next uh, trip I think is at about two weeks. So um, nice. Yeah, I think that's like the early part of May or something like that. Whenever this drops. But uh, how about you? Yeah, no travel scheduled. Um, just sort of working some stuff out with uh, some family medical stuff. So when that gets settled, I'll get back on the road. So sort of weird to not know when I'm traveling, but sometime soon, back to Vegas for some more stuff with the restaurants. So love it. I love it. All right, man. Always fun chatting with you. I look forward to chatting with you in a couple days. By then, who knows? The market will have dropped another 2,000 points or it will have rallied and all-time high. Who knows? We'll see. We will be. We will absolutely be checking in on Twitter, stock price, and deal when we record again. Hey, it, could, it could be a brave new world here in a couple days. We could have Bezos owning the Washington Post and uh, uh, Musk owning Twitter and both of them have rocket companies and <laughs> you and I can just stay here in our basements just talking to each other online. <laughs> All right, man. Take it easy. <laughs> All right, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Results Junkies is produced in association with Crooked Path Productions.